welcome to Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about the people behind today's virology headlines. With the annual American Society of Virology meeting coming in mid-July, we are talking with virologists, graduate students, and postdoctoral researchers who will be attending the meeting. Um, so uh, welcome. Um, it's nice to talk with you today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, okay, so um, Carlos Brito, I'm a grad student at Purdue. So I'm working on my PhD in the laboratory of Professor Richard Kuhn. And I've been, I'm already in the fifth year of my PhD. Hopefully I will defend and everything will be all right by the end of this summer. So I'm very excited about that. So basically the way I got here was that uh, I, I am originally from Colombia. But then in 2015, I came to Purdue for an internship. And then I did some research on um, insecticide discovery for mosquitoes. And then I was always interested in the infectious diseases part. And then uh, I really liked Purdue. And then I applied for the PhD. And when I came back, I came to a PhD program where you have to rotate the first year in four different labs. And one of the labs that I rotated was in the lab of Richard Kuhn. And I was so excited about the virology research. And then since, since then I've been working on flaviviruses, specifically dengue and Zika. And we're doing, well, I am doing research on how to, how we can stop the infection of these viruses in mosquitoes. Because that, since I had all the experience with mosquitoes and insecticide development, so I thought that it was, it was very interesting to pursue that path. But recently we had a pandemic. And then uh, since the pandemic started, I've been working also on SARS-CoV-2. And I've been using a lot of transfer transferable skills from uh, my experience with plague viruses. And basically we're testing different antivirals. I got trained also in biosafety level three. And it's also been a very interesting year and very exciting projects like multiple projects at the same time for SARS-CoV-2. So um, before we get into some of your research, can you sort of take us back um, when you were younger, so you were a, when you were a child, how did you become interested in science or sort of virology research sort of way in the beginning? Did you have people in your family that were in science, teachers that kind of made you interested in it? Well, in my family, everybody is very diverse, but I have one of my uncles, he's a veterinarian. And, and also my, one of my cousins, she's a bacteriologist and the other one is a biologist. And I remember that I got initially very excited about viruses because back in 2000, I think it was back in 2009 or 2004, there was a flu pandemic. I think it was 2009. The flu pandemic, the swine flu. Right. And my uncle, he is a medical veterinary and he had a very high position back in Colombia. And at that time, he was uh, in charge of the uh, making sure that several farms in the country didn't uh, spread the virus to other uh, chicken and things that could make the public health a risk. So I remember that's probably one of the first times. Also, I remember that one time in high school, we were having a sexual education class. And then in that class, we, I had to give a talk 
about uh, AIDS and HIV. And then initially the talk was supposed to be only about the risk of HIV, about uh, all the burden, like how it's transmitted, how it can be prevented. But I was reading so much about it and I started reading about all the science and the biology behind the virus and how the immune response of the people is against that and how people cannot get rid of the virus. So I think those are probably the two oldest memories I have of my interaction with virology research. And basically for that, and also I was excited about evolution, uh, I started my undergrad career on uh, biology, general biology. I see. And you mentioned sort of how you came to the United States. So how exactly did you identify the programs or sort of the labs that you ended up in? What were you looking for? You know, sort of how did, how did you make those choices, those decisions? Yeah, that's a really great question because I always tell the same story. I've been all around the place in terms of research, but at the same time, all the different labs that I've been to have led me to where I am now. So when I told you I started my undergrad, uh, my major in general biology, and, and I think that since probably the first semester or maybe second semester, I wanted to do research. So I started working on cytogenetics in a lab that was doing cytogenetics. So basically how different uh, abnormalities and chromosome, chromosomes can lead to different defects. And then the PI of that lab was very, it was very close friend with another PI that was working on avian malaria. And then uh, they also had a grant going at the time and they told me if I wanted to work on that instead of keep going with uh, cytogenetics. And I was like, yeah, sure, this is amazing because I've always been interested in infectious diseases. And then I started working on avian malaria. And the first part of the, the when I joined that lab was uh, identifying the morphological characteristics of different parasites that are in the blood of wild thai, of wild birds in the forest. So we went to different forests in Colombia to capture birds and collect the blood. But then the PI put me in charge of a project that was to uh, identify the vector of avian malaria for this particular set of species. So for that, I had to collect thousands of mosquitoes and dissect so many mosquitoes. And can you, I mean, can you believe how is to dissect a mosquito? That's, that's kind of tricky. When you have to remove the salivary glands and you have to make sure that the salivary glands have the sporozoites, which is the infectious part of malaria in mosquitoes. So that's the way you incriminate a, a mosquito. So this is very hard. But then, I mean, I was very into that. So it wasn't hard for me because I was happy. <laughs> but uh, at, when I was reaching the end of my undergrad, uh, the department uh, of biology in my university, it had a collaboration with a university in the United States, Purdue. And then they said, it's within a program called UREPC. And uh, so basically they send, uh, the university sends undergrads to Purdue and then some part of the funding is paid by my home university. Another part of the funding is paid by Purdue, by, by the PI that accepts you at Purdue. And then uh, I had to basically look for a lab that would be willing to accept me. And then I, was, I found a lab that was working on uh, mosquitoes and insecticides. 
And I was like, okay, may, yeah, maybe I've been working with mosquitoes. They maybe it will be good. So yeah, I, I, I remember I reached out to Kate and then she was, yeah, sure, you can come to my lab. And then that's how I came to Purdue. So I started working with mosquitoes. And then, uh, yeah, I was here for that internship for six months and I learned so many things about uh, insecticides. Uh, and then when I, at the end of the internship, uh, I decided that I wanted to come back to Purdue. So that's when I applied to the PhD and I wanted to go back, not to the, uh, to the infectious, uh, infectious diseases side. That's why I did my PhD on virology but I still had some connection with mosquitoes. Actually, a big chunk of my thesis is about mosquitoes and how they transmit these viruses. And yeah. Right, wow, great story, great story. Um, sort of a, a long circle to get where you are today. <laughs> exactly, exactly, that's what I'm telling you. All, all over the place, but somehow I wouldn't be here without those experiences. Right, right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this research then? So what this, the research that you're doing in your lab currently, what is it? So what, what kind of studies are you doing and what are some of the findings that you have? Yeah, so probably this is what I'm going to present at ASB. Uh, it's going to be my, one of the biggest parts of, of, one of the biggest projects of my PhD thesis is it was it involved to do CRISPR in mosquito cells. So to go back a few steps, so I told you I've been working with Zika and Dengue. So these viruses are transmitted by Aedes aegypti, one of the biggest mosquitoes that transmit all these viruses. And then uh, Dengue and Zika are flaviviruses. And then during the life cycle, uh, they have to go a maturation process. And that maturation is basically a cut in the virus that releases a peptide. And then when that happens, the virus becomes infectious. Without that process, the virus is thought to be non-infectious. And that process is relatively well characterized in human cells. And is done by a host protease called furin. But uh, nobody knew when I started this, how, is, how this actually happened in the mosquito. And one, common mistake that many people think of mosquitoes is that mosquitoes are syringes, that they suck the blood from an infected person and then just inject the same virus to another person. It doesn't work that way. The mosquito has to get the blood and the mosquito has to get infected. And after an incubation time, which varies a lot, depending on the virus, the strain and the location temperature, uh, the mosquito can transmit the virus to another person. And that's because the mosquito already has virus in the salivary glands. And that means that the virus has to infect different cells, different tissues and different organs in the mosquito before it can be transmitted. That means as well that the virus has to go different maturation steps in the mosquito. And basically that's what I've been doing, characterizing how that happens in the mosquito. And more specifically, uh, I've been characterizing the, the host protease furin in the mosquito. And basically one of the biggest findings is that mosquitoes have two furins instead of one. And, but it seems that one of them, according to my CRISPR knockout experiments, is more relevant for flavivirus infection than the other. And it's also something that is not only for flaviviruses, I also tested for Synbis, which is an alpha virus. 
and it can also it, alpha viruses also depend on that mosquito furin protease. So that's the big picture of my project. Wow, very very interesting. Um, and I guess to ask one question, so I'm actually in a lab that is a big uh, flavivirus lab myself. I'm part of the Diamond Lab, so uh, know a lot about flaviviruses. But um, one question is actually for different mosquito hosts or different insect hosts, is there is the furin molecule conserved or does it actually differ between different mosquitoes? It differs, but the catalytic side, which is the one that actually performs the cleavage, is very conserved. And it's, and it's actually very surprising, well, not surprising, but interesting that it's also very conserved with human furin. Hmm. They share about 78% identity hmm. in the amino acid sequence. Okay, right. Well, well, we look forward to your talk at ASV. Um, yeah. Just moving now, I guess, since we've all been going through this pandemic and it's been obviously an unusual time to be a virologist, I just wanted to sort of finish up by asking how has the COVID pandemic affected you personally as sort of as a person and also as a virologist? Well, I must say that this was probably the most interesting year to be a virologist because for many reasons. The first one is that I started working on SARS-CoV-2 and that was a completely different, well, not completely, but definitely had to learn many new things. For example, you can train in a BSL-3. But uh, at the same time, uh, it was also a very good timing because all of my uh, friends, family members wanted to know things of what was happening and what they were reading in the news. So they were like, oh my God, Carlos is working with SARS-CoV-2, he's the expert in that. And like, I mean, I am not the expert, I am also learning, but I must say that I knew more than many of my friends about the virus. So, so many of the times I felt good that I was able to clarify misconceptions that the people was having from Facebook or social media, like, oh my God, one of the things I remember, my friend from Colombia texted me, oh my God, Carlos, is it true that uh, SARS-CoV-2 has HIV? And like, I was like, okay, first, the question is a little weird. <laughs> uh, you just have to look at the sequence of the virus and when you see it doesn't have anything of HIV. And like all these theories that it was done in a lab, uh, so yeah, I had to refute so many of those misconceptions many times. Also, uh, and this is actually pretty funny, uh, I was the TA for Richard's class for two years, no, for three years. So basically I started TA for him in 2019. And then in 2020 and 2021, we were in the pandemic scenario. And it was very interesting to see how the students were much more excited about the class during the pandemic than the students that took the class in 2019. Like, especially in 2020, when uh, we had to go from in-person class to virtual class, that, they, that the students that they were taking the virology class uh, were leaving the class in real life. So I would get so many emails from the students all the time, like, oh my God, Carlos, did you see what's happening in the news? Why don't we just let uh, everybody to get infected so that we achieve uh, herd immunity? Like, I remember all these sort of questions from the students and definitely being at EA during that time was very uh, exciting, but also it was a lot of work. <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, do you still have family back in Colombia? So how has the pandemic been uh, having family there and here? Uh, yes, I still have family there and it has been very hard, especially right now where the United States is kind of back to normal or things feel a little bit more uh, normal. In Colombia, I think that at this point is when they have the biggest infection in all the pandemic. So it's hard. Uh, most of my family, friends, the senior ones are already vaccinated, but my cousins, the people that are around my age are still not vaccinated. So that's a little scary, but in general, I think Colombia has been doing a good uh, amount of policies for people to not go out. And if you go out, you have to wear a mask. And actually my mom was here between November and March. And when she came here, she was a lot more cautious than me. <laughs> so yeah, because she came with all the training in Colombia. <laughs> to deal with the pandemic. So yeah, I think it's been hard, but it, my, my family has been doing okay. Yeah, good, good. Um, and then any thoughts? So you're getting near the end of your PhD. Are you starting to think about your next steps? What, what do you wanna do next? Oh, that's an amazing question. And I actually had a meeting with Richard like two hours ago. We were talking about this. Uh, yes, I'm looking for jobs uh, in different uh, agencies, either uh, industry or nonprofit organizations. I basically want to keep doing some research, uh, still keep doing bench work for a little while. But eventually I would like to move away from the bench and do more uh, regulatory stuff. And I would like to do research on things that are more directly applicable or at least contribute to research that is like that. So work for something like the FDA or like some sort exactly. of agency or USDA or something like that. Exactly. I would like to work for the FDA, NIH. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, it was great talking to you. Um, and we will look forward to your talk at um, ASB. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Larissa. This has been Let's Meet the Virologists, a podcast about people who study viruses. This is your host, Larissa Thackray, and thanks for listening.